Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it's awesome to be here. I'm so excited about what God is doing, continuing to do in and through us, the church, that God is calling us to action, that God is calling us to move, that, that God is blessing uh, all the things that are going on, and, and that God's blessing is, is something that is tangible, that we recognize, that we feel that we are able to experience. And so my hope is uh, that you are joining us so that you can join in on the kingdom building activity that God is calling us to, that you can join in on all that is going on here in this place in and through God's spirit. If you're new here, I just want to say a very special welcome to you. We're excited that you are joining us and we are excited that you have taken some time to be a part of this community. And we hope that you will continue to join us. We want you to recognize as we already have, we're not perfect, but we know the one who is and that's Jesus Christ. And we want so desperately to be more and more like Jesus. We want to embrace his perfection as our own so that we can live for him, so that we can have him live through us, so that we can share the good news of Jesus, so that we can break down barriers, so that we can love people where they are, and so that we can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Uh, We've been on a message series, a worship series called Hero Maker. The whole idea is to take the focus off of ourselves and put it onto others so that they can do amazing things in the name of Jesus. And, and when we talk about this, uh, you know, we, we've started by saying, hey, the first thing we need to do is to think differently. We can't go about things the way that we always have and be hero makers because if we're honest with ourselves, we want to be the hero. And so if we're going to shift that focus, we need to think differently and recognize that God is calling us not to be heroes, but to be hero makers. And then the second thing that we need to do is we need to be able to give permission to people to try. Give them permission so that they can give it a shot. And and today we're going to talk about gift activating, what it is to, to um, empower others and to allow their gifts to rise to the top. And we got to be careful here because gift activating is not another way of saying getting someone else to do your job. Um, that's not what we're talking about. Gift activating is taking the step we did last week of I see in you and taking that next logical step and, and empowering them and, and helping them along the road. And I've seen this happen so many times, but for me, it was most impactful uh, when I first became Christian. I, I hadn't been Christian very long. And I was just on fire for Jesus. Uh, I had received the the gift of the Holy Spirit. I had received forgiveness and justification. I had received new birth and I was just on fire for Jesus. I was so excited about Jesus that I was probably super annoying. I I would have talked to a rock about Jesus at that point. Um, Not much has changed. It's good. Uh, But I was so excited and, and the pastor at the church uh, came to me and he was like, hey, can, can we have a meeting? Anytime I was called into a meeting in, the, in my first days in, in, in the church, I was like, oh, they figured me out and I, they're going to kick me out. They know I'm not, I'm not really what I want to be and I'm not really who I should be. And so they're going to kick me out. And so I went reluctantly to this meeting uh, and, and the pastor said, hey, I I have noticed that you are super passionate about sharing the gospel. 
And I was like, oh, okay, so it's not that kind of meeting. I'm not getting the boot. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you're super passionate about sharing the gospel. And I am working on a, a vision for the church going forward. And I need someone to chair our evangelism team. I didn't know anything about any of that. And I was very reluctant. I was like, I, I, I don't even know what that means, man. I, I, I can't do that. It's not possible for me to do that. Now, he was practicing what we have talked about the first couple of weeks. He, he saw in me a potential because he was thinking differently and he was going to give me permission to try. Uh, but he wasn't doing that in a vacuum because he wanted to activate me uh, and, and have my gifts be activated rather than just turning me loose and saying, good luck, buddy. Uh, so what he did is he was like, hey, we're going to go to this conference. There's a conference coming up. It's in Atlanta. So we're going to fly to Atlanta together. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to go to an evangelism conference where they're talking about what it is to be uh, involved in evangelism. And I was like, okay, well, I can go to that. Uh, and I don't know that I can do evangelism, but I can do that. Um, and we flew out there and there were speakers that came out and, and they talked about how they did evangelism in their context. And, and for me, my mind started, started coming up with ideas. And I was like, well, if that worked for them, if we twisted it just a little bit, maybe that would work for us maybe we could go and do some of those similar things. And I started to get excited about the idea of what was potentially, uh, uh, what was possible, what we could do. And, and so we flew back and, and I started uh, doing this evangelism chair position and gathered a group of people that were passionate about Jesus. And we just made a huge impact on that community of faith by saying, hey, we need to shift our position our mindset to those outside the church. Let's go love on them in radical and new and profound ways. And it was, it was transforming for me because I had been, uh, somebody had spoken into my life. Somebody saw my potential. Somebody gave me permission, but they also helped me to activate my gifts by partnering with me and going on. Cause I got back and I was like, I don't know how to do this still. And he was like, well, let's put a framework in place, things that you, you might be able to try. And so we did all of those things. And it was, it was super for me because then I started to see that in myself and I started to have some confidence in who God was calling me to be and what I needed to be doing and how I needed to do it. And we love this, right? Because when I first started that, I was like, man, this is, this is super. I, I just love the idea of making a difference. But over time, things can shift and we can start to feel like we're the ones that are important. Like we want our influence to be shared or we want to hoard our power or our prestige uh, because, you know, it's great to be famous. And, and uh, influence right now is one of those things that, you know, you hear that word and most of us are, are thinking about influencers, people on the internet uh, that are, are, are influential in other people's lives. They got a million people that are following or a billion people. I don't know how many people have now, but uh, you got a bunch of people that are following. You get a new jacket or you're using a new base for your makeup and everybody's like, well, I should try that. Uh, and I know that this works because I love home improvement shows. Like I, I watch home improvement videos all the time. Uh, and there's a guy that I watch and he's like, man, this pocket hole drill is amazing. And I'm like, well, I need me a pocket 
hole drill. So I should get that one. Uh, so I get how influential people can be. And, and, and especially through these online mediums, because it used to be different, right? Influence has gone wide instead of narrow. It used to be more narrow. It would be the people in your, like back in the day of Jesus, it was people that you heard about that were influential. Uh, and then that got to where it was people you read about or, or people in the newspaper. And, and then it was famous people. And, and it's just this, this idea of influence being used for your own purpose or your own greatness because, well, you know, being great is great. Um, if others think you're great, if others give you a, a higher uh, elevation, then, you know, you feel pretty good about yourself. And the problem is that we all struggle with this because we're all so self-focused. Uh, my grandmother used to be like, you're, you're so selfish, uh, she would tell me, uh, because I only wanted to do what I wanted to do. And we're all hardwired to do that. It, it's, it's part of our brokenness to think that we are so much greater than we are. And Jesus' disciples had this same mindset. Uh, we, we see it in Luke. Uh, Luke was a, a doctor and also uh, a, a guy that followed around different, like was active in the early church. And he wrote the book of Luke, which was this compendium of what all of the apostles told him. And then he wrote the book of Acts, which was uh, the, the movement of the new church. Well, in the book of Luke, which is a story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, um, Jesus is talking about some of the disciples. And in the ninth chapter, they get together and they're like, hey, which one of us is going to be the greatest? And Jesus is like, hey, that's not how it is. You, you want to be great. Be like this little child. He pulls a child away uh, and, and says, be like this little child so that you can really be great in the kingdom. And they really didn't understand what was going on. And we know that for a fact, because later in the 22nd chapter, it comes up again. And it's actually, to me, one of the most heartbreaking scenes um, in the New Testament because it happens at the Last Supper where Jesus has gathered his disciples. He's about to lay his life down for them, about to be arrested, beaten, abused, crucified, and killed. And, and, and yet the disciples gather together and they're like, hey, which one of us which one of us is going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest among us? It's, it's a serious exercise in missing the point. Um, and, and it's frustrating because Jesus has just painted a great picture by washing the feet of the disciples. He, he put on, uh, you know, takes off his outer garment and wraps it around himself so he can wash their feet and takes the role of the lowest of the servants to try and paint this picture. And then just shortly after that, it says this, then they began to argue among themselves about who would be greatest among them. Which one of us is going to be the greatest in, in Jesus' kingdom when, when he comes into his kingdom? Oh, it's going to be me, Peter says. Or, oh, no, no, it's me, John says, because I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. We don't know really what was going on in the argument or how it was being positioned, but I, I can just hear these, these, these thoughts that these guys have of, of their self-worth and their value to Jesus and what they're going to do for the kingdom. And Jesus told them, in this world, and you got to hear this with a little bit of frustration, right? In this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. 
but among you it will be different. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Guys, did you not just see? I I washed your feet. I, I took the lowest position so that you could see this, and here you are arguing about it. Um, and you can see, like, servanthood is a key ingredient in following Jesus. And it is hard, hard, hard to be a servant and to think yourself too important. When you are a servant, you are at the beck and call of others, not your own importance, but their importance. And so Jesus decides, hey, I'm going to take this into a, a, a picture that maybe they'll get. Who is most Im- more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course. Jesus starts this story, and, and I'm going to embellish the story a little bit. Uh, let's say Jesus is coming in and he's saying, hey, if you guys go to one of these big clubs in New York City and you roll in and you're looking at all these fat cats popping bottles, uh, I'm going to explain what that means because I just smashed two colloquialisms from two different generations into one. Fat cats are people who are well off or wealthy or people who have influence. And popping bottles is, uh, well, individuals opening many, many bottles in a very celebratory manner. <laughs> it's, it's this picture of a party that's going on. And Jesus alludes to this story that, that there's a picture that's there. And you can almost hear, hear Peter when, when Jesus asks the question, who is the greatest among, you know, who is most important? Who's the one that's, that's the most important in that scene? And, and Peter, who is always ra- rash and quick to answer, I can almost hear him say, well, of course, Jesus, it was the fattest cat with the most bottles popped. Uh, and, you know, that's probably not in the Hebrew anywhere. Uh, but but it's, it's the picture that Jesus is painting is that, hey, who's the most important is probably the one who is at the table, definitely not the waiter or the waitress. But then he takes it in a new direction, but not here, not in this kingdom, for I am among you as one who serves. The one who is important in that scenario is the waiter, the waitress, the person serving, not the center of attention, but the one who serves. Jesus says, am I not among you? Am I the king of all creation, not here with you? Did I not just wash your feet? I am God himself, and yet I washed your feet. Paul says it this way. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He he didn't lord it over them that he was God. He didn't say, you guys, I I can do all things and you're not paying attention to me. He didn't try to elevate his status or his position. He served. And he lived as an example of one who serves, who could be, should be elevated and cheered on and put in a place of of importance, but instead he came to serve. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, where he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God. 
and died a criminal's death on a cross. Am I not among you? If, if Jesus is who we say we serve, if Jesus is our, our, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, we need to be asking ourselves a question. Whose greatness do you seek? Whose greatness do you seek? Do you seek to elevate yourself? Because that's not what Jesus is calling us to. Do you seek to elevate others to truly be a hero maker? That's what Jesus is calling us to. Whose greatness do you seek? We seek the greatness of God. Together as a church, together as a community, together united by the blood of Christ, set free from sin and death so that we can share the good news with others. And, and far too frequently, we get in our minds the way that we want things to go instead of the way that, we want, that God wants them to go. We, we say things like, my church, my people, my gifts. And so we need to recognize this isn't what it's all about. We are not, uh, it is not our church, it's God's church. It's not our people, it's God's people. It's not our gifts, it's God's gifts. And so how do we embrace this? How do we understand this? And, and we have a little help from a guy named Paul in a book, or a letter he wrote to the church in Ephesus. It says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. That's first and foremost. We need to understand the gifts that God gives to individuals are not for the sake of the individual. They're not to make you great. They're for the church. The gifts are given to people to serve God's church. This is the, the reality of why gifts are given at all. And, and the gifts are separate and apart. They're not all the same. Not everyone has all of the gifts because God wants us to work together. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelism, uh, evangelists, uh, the pastors and teachers, these are the people that are, the, these are the gifts that is being talked about, that uh, Paul is talking about right this second, but it's not the only gifts. It's not that these are the gifts that are limited to the church. This is just in this letter, in this scope, he's saying, hey, these are the gifts that are given to the church. Apostles and prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, and my friends, if you're sitting there going, whew, my name is not on that list. Uh, I'm guessing that you have, at one time or another, embraced one of these. Maybe you've stood against some social injustice acting in the form of a prophet. Maybe, maybe you have shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone acting as an evangelist. Maybe you have walked with a family through brokenness or helped coach someone through a difficult time and, and been acting as a pastor. Or you have shared any set of information across any amount of time on Jesus Christ. You have acted as a teacher. Their responsibility, all of those people, is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The gifts we are given are so that we can empower God's church, 
so that we can be God's people moving in his kingdom through the world, sharing all of the aspects of God's kingdom with others, meeting people where they are and sharing with them the love and grace that we have first received. So the question is, why are we here? What are we supposed to do with this information? How do we deal with it? We are here to raise others to greatness, to raise others to greatness, to activate their gifts so that the church can bring glory to God. And that's church with a capital C because it's not just this church. It is the church universal. It is the church of God moving in the world so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And so once we get the focus off of ourselves and we understand the gifts that we have, we can also see those gifts in others. Uh, and we, we do that, like, like I said last week, those I see in you conversations, we can have those conversations, but it's because we start to notice, we start to look, and we start to see. And what do we do? How do we empower people? How can we uh, lift people up to activate their gifts? Uh, well, we inspire others to dream big. Inspire others to dream big. Don't tear people down when they think, ah, I should do this. Or I wonder if we could do that. Any of those can be things that God has put on their heart. And if you're sitting over there going, no, we can't do that because we just don't have enough whatever it is. If we're here to empower and to activate others' gifts, we, instead of naysaying, are the supporters saying, how can we help you to do that? We have those I see in you conversations. Like I said last week, if you weren't here last week, it's just, I see a potential in you. I see the, the hope in you. I see this gift in you so that they can understand where they are. And then we partner together with them. Not, not good luck. Hey, I, I see that you should do this. Hey, good luck. Have a nice day. No, we partner with them to empower them, to help them, to have them able to move forward. And then maybe the most difficult for those of us that are control, that have control issues, we step back and let them run. Step back and let them go and see what God does through them. This is exactly what I experienced when I was invited to be the chair of evangelism. I was called in and said, hey, I see this in you, this potential. And, and I want to walk with you through that. I'm going to equip you. Let's go to a conference. Let's, let's take some steps so that you can be better equipped, better understand what the hope is. And then I'm going to help you. Let's put a framework together. Let's work together. And then I'm going to release you to go and do great things for Jesus. And some of those things are things that you would have never thought of, uh, that both of you together would have never thought of, because those big dreams are in the process to make a difference, to, to give people that hope and that promise to do that. And so we're called to serve one another, to be hero makers, to empower them, to activate their gifts. And, and, and we're called to do that together as the community of faith. Not our gifts, but God's gifts to the church. Not my glory, but God's glory. Not my hopes, but how can I elevate someone else up so that they can take steps beyond where even I could go? We've been called 
by God. We've been commissioned by Jesus to go into the world and build his kingdom. We do that by elevating others, activating their gifts. So let's do that. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift we have in Jesus, for the hope we have, the promise we have in you. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to truly lean into this idea of being a hero maker, that that we are here so that we can help others to be more than they ever could be on their own, that we we can help them to dream big by starting with ourselves and thinking differently, by by giving permission, and then by helping to activate their gifts so that your kingdom can be built, not so that we can maintain our authority in this small context, but instead so that we can give it away and we can help others to share the good news of Jesus in everything we do. Father, we just pray in this moment and for all time that we would serve you the way that you desire us to that we would seek to be your people, that we would share your grace with others, that we would lean into this idea that we can do so much more together as your kingdom, as your church, as your body. Lead us now and show us the way. We ask this together in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.